Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Yeah, 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 descent time, baby. And Barrett. Hey, hey, greetings. And last but not least, Jerry. Hi, everybody. Hey, 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 that's right. We are talking about Descent today. Descent, Legends in the Dark. Not Journeys in the Dark. Of the Dark. Now we're Legends. It's of the Dark, Peter. Because why? I don't know. (laughs) Why aren't we in it? Because we're of it. (laughs) I have no response to that. (laughs) Yeah, so we're doing uh, Descent, everybody. We We got a big crew together. Peter, Jerry, and I have all been playing together, so we are one group but with some pretty different opinions, I think. And then we brought in Berndt as well. Uh, Berndt, you've been playing solo and with Colin, is that right? No, I've actually only been playing with Colin. We've played the first four scenarios, and then he had to apparently go on a vacation. So right now I'm just drooling to get back to this game and waiting for him. So he should be back soon, and then we'll be getting our actual playthrough for the channel, and then we'll also be continuing our playthrough together. Vacations are lame, but no, that sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, Mike just doesn't go on vacations. He just works all the time, as you can tell by the amount of content he puts out. I have to build tables. I mean, they, they won't build themselves. <laughs> and Jerry's building basements, right? Yep. Jerry, yeah, yep. Jerry's working 100 times harder than anything I'm doing. <laughs> I hey, we're almost done. Just the uh, new carpet is having that installed in October. That's the last new carpet, time. new challenge. It's, that's what they tell me. Well, that's why I'm a nurse, so I don't have to do any of that. Yeah, Jerry and I went to a miniature golf course. I forget where it was. It was some vacation, beach town, whatever, years ago. I mean, this is college years. Myrtle Beach. And uh, they had this sign that said, new carpet, new challenge. And it was like a shag carpet. Like yeah, you would have slowest, it. It was the slowest <laughs> green ever. And so one of our friends got so mad, he hit the ball like, and it flew like three quarters of the way across the course, like this crowded mini golf course. He goes, new carpet, new challenge, my bleep. <laughs> and he like, hit the ball. <laughs> and it bounced off the, the big mountain thing and went towards another group. Is, is that yeah. not how you're supposed to play mini golf? That's how I always do it. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. They keep on kicking me out. I don't know why. I'm like, come on, I'm just trying to have fun, guys. <laughs> But yeah, every time I hear new carpet, that that always enters my mind. So uh, yeah, anytime somebody puts in new carpet, it's a new challenge. And hey, speaking of a new challenge, it's not a challenge to have amazing patrons supporting us through Patreon. You like that transition, everybody? That was fantastic. That, that was a nice segue. That, that was that was so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, yes, we do have some amazing people supporting us, and of course, uh, anyone who is subscribed to either of our YouTube channels is on our Discord, is leaving reviews for the podcast, uh, listening right now. We appreciate any form of support you give. But our patrons help us to defray the cost of the podcast, to buy games, to buy equipment, all that stuff. So a big thank you this week to Jason Way, very active in our Discord. Jason is a co-op MVP. Thank you, Jason. Also, Rando Thomas, co-op fan. Rando Thomas, thank you, Rando. And finally, Priscilla and Kyle, also co-op MVPs. So Rando, Priscilla, Kyle, and Jason, thank you all for your support on Patreon. We really appreciate it. It paid for Barrett this week. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, hey, what's the point for my new carpet? <laughs> see, see, that's the part that's missing from his YouTube channel name. It's meet me at the table if you pay a hefty fine. If you pay. 
So if you don't like Barrett, you can stop your Patreon support. No, I'm just kidding. No, we did not pay Barrett to be here this week. I just want to clear that up before we go any further. Alrighty. So uh, before we get going, anybody have any games that they've been playing lately that they've been dying to talk about? I'll, I'll jump in first. I'm doing more crowdfunding games. You know, I always have my crowdfunding games. I already talked about Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. That's a uh, light dungeon crawler coming up soon. But I uh, just recently got the prototype near final like production. It looks really nice for uh, a lighter co-op game, kind of family weight, called Paint the Roses or Painting the Roses. It's from North Star Games, which is kind of cool because I didn't know if North Star Games was going to be around. They were having some rough times there. But... Uh, apparently they're they're still going strong and uh, yeah this is one that i'd seen at pax u i guess it's two years ago it's a logical deduction cooperative game sort of in the vein of hanabi but with a little bit more control than that and i just played it with uh, both my sons my five-year-old we were kind of <laughs> he had his card face up and we were like oh colin do you have red and yellow and he'd be like yeah and i was <laughs> like i can see it colin but you know he was still happy but yeah harrison was like totally getting the logic stuff with it and really fun like uh, i'm enjoying it a lot so definitely looking forward to featuring that soon nice well and i will clarify we were playing with only the uh simple the easiest pattern card you're supposed to like do a mix of uh easy medium and hard but we just played on uh introductory mode today nice all right jerry how about you anything uh well since i've been working mostly on the basement but i did finally get the game room back together so most of my plays have been with my kids who are now wandering into the game room and pointing all kinds of things that they want to play. So this evening, I just taught my son Ticket to Ride. Nice. And my daughter is currently enamored with uh, Stuffed Fables, which she calls the Stuffy Game. <laughs> We're not quite using the full rules on that. She's only six, but she has fun with that. Well, that's probably because you're not using the full rules. Is why well, I was about to say, I fully <laughs> recommend not using the full rules for that one. I enjoy it much more. All right, Barrett, how about you? Well, I've been playing this game I haven't really heard a lot about. It's called Madara. I've kind of been playing that one. If you haven't been watching on my channel, I've been going trying to get to the first act of that. I've been doing some Wild Ascent going through the prelude on that. But since we've talked about those before, actually, my son just turned nine, and we picked up a game that he and uh, the family can play called Treasure Fight or Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters. I don't yeah, know if you know this that's but a good we one. We just picked this up. It was recommended to us, so we thought we'd give it a shot. And we're having a blast. We've played it a couple times so far. We we got it yesterday. So we won yesterday. We lost tonight. We'll probably play again tomorrow. It's really fun. You kind of move around the board. You roll a die. You kind of draw cards. And these ghosts get placed depending on those cards. Too many ghosts in a room. Then it spawns like this like haunting thing. And, of course, you guys, your characters can go into these rooms and try to take out the ghosts. But their main objective is to get these six jewels out. And if they get them out, that's fantastic. But if there's too many hauntings on the board, then you lose. So that's it's pretty much just a fun little roll the dice, draw some cards, and have some family fun. Yeah, my family enjoys that one, too. I definitely recommend the expansion if you can find it, Barron. It's got some more, like, uh, fun options to add in. Oh, sweet. I didn't even know there's an expansion. I am going to check this out. That might well, be now, and Hopefully it's in stock, or I'll just feel like I increase your stress and sadness in your life. <laughs> That's awesome. That's usual. Mike, oh. you do that to me every week. Exactly. Why, why should Barron be any different? Do you mean, like, by interacting with you just by being alive? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just by being around, you increase my stress and whatever else you said. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you're so stressed, you can't even remember a <laughs> conversation from two seconds ago. <laughs> That's right. Actually, Mike, that's what I put on my yearbook photo. Wait, I, I didn't even know you when you had a yearbook photo. Uh, I'm prophetic. <laughs> I'm going to be this guy named Mike. He's going to strike me out. Get me out of here. Uh, you're something all right. All right. So I have been playing a little game that nobody's ever heard of called Regicide. 
even though it's been number one on Board Game Geek for like the last two weeks or whatever. And actually, we all played that this past Saturday. And uh, well, except for Barrett, sorry, you weren't invited. You didn't fly in to come play Regicide with us. I was so disappointed that I didn't get the memo there. Yeah, but I've been playing it a lot. So speaking of playing with your kids, I've been playing it with my kids a lot as well. And uh, today I just tried it solo for the first time. And it's fun. I mean, the nice part about it is there's rules on Board Game Geek. And it just uses a 52-card deck with two jokers, so I guess 54-card deck. And so it just uses normal playing cards, and I've had a lot of fun with it. It's an interesting puzzle. I have more to say about that, though, because I think we're going to review it, do a full review in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for full thoughts on that. But I've had a lot of fun with it, and I played it with my daughter for the first time today, and we beat it. Like, no problem. Just went through, kicked all the the face cards' butts, and uh, I think she's going to do, like... I did to Jerry, and I beat him once in trivia ever, and I've never played trivia with him again. I think she's done with Regicide. Like she's just like she's like I got that game done. And just for the audience, that that was twenty years ago, and he still has never played me in trivia again. Because I'm the champion. Why would I? Well, I'll share my quick uh, Regicide thoughts. It is my favorite cooperative game that I can play with a regular fifty-two card deck. Nice, <laughs> since it's the only one <laughs> the ever. Exactly. <laughs> At least that I'm aware of. I mean, the nice part also is that it's a two-page rule set. So teaching the game is super simple and straightforward. Actually, I almost played it on the stream channel today. I had a little bit of time this afternoon, and I almost put it up. I'll probably put one up on Friday, just a solo play of Regicide on the stream channel. So look forward to that. Oh, they have that on TTS or something? They have yeah. decks of cards on TTS, so they might oh, yeah, as well. Good yeah, good point. <laughs> but they also have an, an official mod put out. I'm definitely going to put some money down and buy this one just to preview my thoughts on it. I have good and bad things to say about it, though. Good Good luck finding it now that uh, Shut Up and Sit Down has talked about it, right? Yeah, they, they certainly have their effect. Cool. Well, you know what else has an effect? Descent on my brain. Yeah, so we're going to jump in, all four of us. We're still going to do our regular thing. If you haven't listened before, welcome. We uh, go through the top five things about the game that stand out to us. The top five uh, elements or mechanics or design decisions or graphics or whatever we want to talk about. We're going to go from number five for each of us, the thing that stands out, but the least of the five, all the way to our number one thing of the game. What is on our mind the most as we've been playing it more? And uh, as Berndt said, I think he said to him and Colin are on Scenario 4, we're at a similar place. So this is a uh, review without any of us having finished the campaign. I think it is important to put that out there. I think we've all seen a good amount to get like kind of our thoughts down, but none of us are complete experts on the entire like scope of what's going to happen in the storyline. One, I think it's also important to point out that Mission 4 could be very different for what they did and what we did, because they're all kind of side quests right now at the beginning. So we're just really covering the mechanics, not the full story, obviously, because we don't know what the full story is. So it's kind of interesting how the game takes you in different directions. And I guess I'll start my theme discussion on that. The theme is... You were in Terranoth, which is their fantasy realm, very generic fantasy realm. Now, is that generic? What? They have, they have wizards? Beastmen and fighters and, and, and undead and elves. They have elves <laughs> and and a, and a wild barbarian horde. Those have never. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take a second take. Start from the beginning. So, in their very unique realm <laughs> called wow. Tiranoth, 
where Fantasy Flight isn't copying anything token-esque or anything else fantasy that has ever been done before. You are adventuring in a in a fantasy world. Yeah, that's that's the theme. Yeah, and uh, I guess I'll jump into mechanics like I usually do. So this is a uh, app-based game, partially. You require an app to play with it. And uh, the app runs all the enemy activations you've seen, Mansions of Madness, or uh, the co-op they added to uh, Descent 2nd Edition, or Imperial Assault. You'll be kind of at home here. They have, like, tokens you can interact with. It doesn't track where miniatures are on the board, either you or the enemies. Instead, like, movement is kind of handled in a more abstracted way, with, like, enemies having movement priorities and where they need to go. But, uh, yeah, you go through different quests, and in your turn, you will take uh, two actions, and you can move, you can attack. Something that is new that I haven't seen before, you have these flipping cards, so your character card itself can flip. Not much changes except for usually the ability and maybe like the amount of fatigue you can take. You have uh, skill cards, you have a weapon that can flip, so you really have two weapons, and you might have like uh, bonuses against certain types of enemies if you use your hammer as opposed to your sword or your arrows. And yeah, you uh, do the regular dungeon crawling things. You're moving around, you're fighting people. The scenarios have different objectives, usually involving some mix of combat and exploration to win. And in between scenarios, you go back to kind of like home base. This is all run through the app. You can craft things, upgrades to your weapons and such. You can uh, buy new recipes. You uh, have these feats that you do while you're fighting. You uh, get to have like little story beats and have like dialogue between the characters and uh, yeah, there's a lot going on, I'm sure, between the four of us. We'll cover it in our uh, review, so I think I'll let it stand there for now. Just a quick correction, Mike, that you get three actions, not two. Oh, is it three oh, actions? man, that was one of my points, oh, and I sorry, totally you know, wanted to correct him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I, I kind of forget that it's an action. Yes, yeah, so you get a free move action every turn, so basically you just have a certain number of spaces you can move for free. You can use extra actions to move additionally, and then two like actions that are more universal. You can use them to interact with stuff, attack. Yeah, sorry, thanks for the correction, Jerry. All right, Baron, why don't you get us started? What's your number five thing people need to know, have to know, must know about Descent Legends of the Dark? All right, I'm going to start out by saying that I've played a couple dungeon crawlers in my life, so <laughs> I've, I've experienced them a little bit. Um, if people don't know, dungeon crawler is actually kind of my big genre. I love dungeon crawlers. One thing I really like in a dungeon crawler is a unique and compelling story that drives my need to continue forward in this game. This is sadly a mix for me because right now only four in. I don't really see that happening. Hopefully it changes after these first four missions, but right now it's just kind of very cliche-ish and the characters I know are slowly developing and hopefully it develops more, which is why I'm putting this as a mix. I'm hoping it goes forward. Now, one of the things I like about it is these first four missions, I hope this continues, is they actually do have, are very character-based in a way. So you're actually needing to play all the characters. You actually have to try them all out. You can't just leave one behind because at certain points, your missions may need you to use a certain character. So you do get to actually play all these characters, which is kind of cool. I kind of like that about it, and I hope they continue forward with that. But where the story is right now, it's... I'm hoping it gets better, but I don't really see it grasping me as much as something like Madara or any of the other dungeon crawlers I've played out there. Of course, not every dungeon crawler has a great story, but I was really hoping this one did. But so far, I mean, I guess you could say the new unique thing about it is the elves are actually deaf. That's that's something that you don't see very often. But I guess other than that, I would just say the story hopefully improves a little bit and gets more compelling. Well, at least it's set in a very unique universe of Tyranoth. So you, it's got that going for it. The elves are deaf. That's the unique part. Are all the elves deaf or just the one in the story? 
Yeah, from the story so far, it seemed like the two we've run into do have hearing issues of some kind and actually communicate through sign language. We, we, we play that same mission. I thought that the other elf just knew sign language as helpful for like the scouts in their work, but that she was also a hearing individual. But I might be wrong about that. That could be totally right. Who knows? Maybe I'll find out in the next mission. <laughs> there you go. Character development. <laughs> See, you, you have a plot to look forward to, Barrett. All right, Jerry, how about you? What's your number five? So my number five is, uh, it's not really a pro war con. It's just kind of a thing. It's that this is not Descent 3rd Edition. The gameplay is significantly different from Descent 1st and 2nd Edition. Obviously, there's no Overlord in a one versus many, but it's it's pretty different even between the Descent 2nd Edition Road to Legend cooperative app and the gameplay here. We've already talked about the actions are different. You get two plus a move rather than just, you know, two actions where you have to move. The dice are different. There are different number sides, the various dice that you might roll. There's no miss side on the main combat die, so you never miss, which is nice. Stamina is not used in the same way. Like a big mechanic from the first two descent was using stamina to get extra movement points to get where you needed to be. You can't use stamina for movement in this. Stamina is used entirely for that flipping mechanic that Mike spoke to earlier. And Barrett already touched on the fact that you don't really play a single character like you might in Descent 1st Edition or 2nd Edition when you're playing like the campaign. You might have to switch between multiple characters depending on the requirements of the of the mission. So you don't really own your own character. Although I will say, just as a counterpoint, there are only six characters in the box. So if you're playing with four people you're only going to have two characters that are going to have to switch in and out. And you don't have to stick with one of those characters, I don't think. Right. Well, that, that's my point. You're not beholden to a particular character. You, like most of these dungeon crawls, you will have one character and you kind of follow them as they progress and level up. But you're always playing the same character. You seem to be encouraged to play different characters in this game. Although if you wanted to, I mean, not in a two-player game if you're each controlling one, but if you wanted to, you could stick with the same character the whole time. I don't want people to think they have to switch if they don't want to. Certainly, to do certain missions, you have to have certain characters along with you. Like, if people love being one character, you could be one character the whole time, as long as the other person's willing to switch. We, We don't know. I mean, we've only played through the first third of the campaign, but it seems like, you know, there may be various character requirements, and there might be more than just one required character going forward. Yeah, so far we've only seen where, okay, to do this mission, you have to have this one certain character. And like you're saying, you're playing two players and one person's kind of bound to that character. But if you are playing four, at least it gives the freedom of somebody to be able to try new characters or at least stick with a character they like and even say like, oh, this is my character's mission. This would be really cool. So there's pretty cool things. All right, Mike, you want to go with your number five? Yeah, uh, I imagine this will be probably higher on a lot of people's lists. But for me, I had other things I wanted to talk about. So number five for me is the app. This is a mix for me, but it's going to change a lot based on like what your access and what your device is, and also how you're playing. I think if you're playing solo, the app will generally be a pro, as long as you don't mind apps in your game. Because, you know, to be straightforward, the game's not hiding this, and it certainly caught a lot of flack from kind of the anti-app uh, aspect or a group of gamers. You know, you need the app for everything. It uh, runs combat. You just enter how many successes you roll, and it tells you how much damage you did and, like, has a randomized armor value for the enemies. It tracks everything about the enemies. You have to look at the app to see how much life they have. You have to look at the app to see what they're weak to. Like, there are no cards for enemies, which can be a great thing if you don't want to, like, deal with all that stuff and have your table cluttered, but might put off some people. It uh, controls, like, the map. It controls exploration. It controls the objectives. It controls how many uh, crafting ingredients you found. 
So again, that could be great for you. It could be not so good for you based on your taste. But beyond that, just the play experience of interacting with the app. And we tried out different ways in our group just to kind of like experience this. If you just have it on a phone, ugh. Uh, especially uh, if you're playing in a co-op group, like Pat, like, oh my gosh, like you can't even see what the heck is there. You have to be like, hey, what's this token over here represent? What's this? Now, if you have an iPad or some kind of tablet, that's going to be a lot better. Just having a bigger screen. And then what we've been doing for most of our plays is actually projecting the tablet onto a nearby TV. So that's an amazing setup if you can do it, because all of us can be uh, involved in like the characters and the dialogue and the story and the uh, scenarios all the time. So I think uh, the size of your device is going to matter a lot. Again, mainly if you're in co-op. If you're just playing solo, probably a phone is still a little bit rough, but you can just have the app right there and do whatever you need to with it. So uh, I like the app personally. I think uh, it handles a lot of stuff that I don't really want to handle. I don't want to keep track of how many herbs I've collected from trees. Who cares? But at the same time, I think it's going to put off a lot of people. So it's kind of a mix overall. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd even want to play this solo on a phone. Just trying to set up the terrain alone would be a challenge. Yeah, it'd be a lot of zooming and, and panning, which would not be great. And I think you could play it on a computer too, right? If you have a laptop. Yeah, it's available on Steam. Cool. So let's get to my number five, because I'm sure everybody else is going to talk about the app at some point in their discussion. So my number five is the three actions. One of those actions has to be a move, but the other two can be whatever you want them to be. So there's move, there's attack, there's interact, or you could flip one of your cards. And I think this flipping the card thing is pretty important to this game. When you flip a card, you get rid of all conditions on that card. So whether they're good conditions, bad conditions, and a lot of times it says put a condition on a card and you'll just put it on a card and then as one of your three actions, you can choose to flip the card. Some of those actions will actually hurt you as you flip the card or some of those conditions, I'm sorry, will hurt you as you flip the card. So it's pretty interesting how they did that flipping mechanic. I'll get into it a little bit more later. But my point with the three actions is it is a very simple, straightforward game. I I think you could play this with kids of almost any age, because literally it's you move, you attack when you attack, you literally look at your card and it tells you what kind of dice. And it's, it's actually always one dice, even <laughs> you're just looking for certain symbols. There's not much in the way of rerolling or anything else. Then you interact again. You see something on the screen you want to interact with. You can move to it and interact. Even Descent, as Jerry pointed out, second edition had the stamina movement. You don't have a lot of options like that. You will have skills on your card, but the three actions are very straightforward. And so for me, this is a very much a pro. I could see it being a con for some people, though, how simple the gameplay is. But for me, uh, I mean, even if you've played Mansions of Madness or if you've played any of the other other app based games, I think this one's even more simple and straightforward as far as what your actions are. Now, some of the decisions you make might be more difficult, but it's all pretty straightforward and pretty easy. That's pretty good, Peter. My number four is actually, I'm going to talk about the terrain and the production of the game. This is actually one of the ones I want to talk about. Uh, Huge fan of the terrain, love the board presence, love the table presence. I think having the terrain and the table presence alone in the 3D environments really makes this game stand out. And I found, well, Colin and I, as we were playing it, we found ourselves more excited to be on this board than in the app, which we thought was going to be We thought really the app was going to take over the game, but because of how cool this game looks on the table with all the miniatures, especially we're getting our miniatures going to be painted. It's going to look absolutely astonishing. I think it's going to really bring this game alive and having 
all that neat scenery, all the things you can interact with, all that out on the board really took us away from the app. So it really shows how awesome that is. At least we thought. We thought the actual train and the board presence and how it looked on the table looked absolutely phenomenal, top of the line. And it is only just a bunch of cardboard. Yeah, it, it's so good that we didn't let Mike replace things with other things. Yep, so. That is a <laughs> phenomenal thing. That means that that meant something. If he didn't use the tree to represent a well, then you it must mean something. It, it's a win. <laughs> I mean, I uh, yeah, I'm playing with a group, so I, I will re- resist my tendencies. But you know what? If I was not playing with a group, I would absolutely never in a million years use a single one of those stupid columns to hold up the stupid, meaningless, higher level of terrain. I think it's dumb, but I'll, that's all I'll say. <laughs> but it looks so cool. It really I don't care. Cool. I don't Come care. On. It wastes on, so much Mike. time. It is such a table hog. I hate how the app never has you put anything away, so you just spread over like every space in your dang house. And then when you're all done, you can take a picture of it and frame it on your wall because you were on this. You, this was your adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, I, I know I'm probably the outlier here, but I find it just a waste of time, and it does nothing for me. Oh, bleh. Says the man with a nice <laughs> new table. Tailor made for a game like this. Yeah, I guess that's true. He'll always just have that one piece of terrain that's on the board, and then he'll be done. Oh, I'm done with this room. Toss. Put the <laughs> next one out. Oh, yeah. Trust me. He tries to clean stuff up. We don't let him. No, no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my number four is uh, the same as Barron's. It was the components. And I agree with pretty much everything he said. It has a great table presence. It looks awesome. All the different terrain pieces that you're putting on it, Generally, if it's a terrain piece, you can interact with it using the interact action. I didn't think it was very hard to assemble. It all fits in the box. The only things I'd say on the negative side with the components are, I thought the art can be hit and miss. Uh, I don't have a problem with the art style, uh, which is a departure from the previous Descent games, but the general art style is okay, but some of the individual art pieces are uh, a little bit eh. Specifically, I'm talking about the, the elf I don't really care for the elf's artwork. And that was one of the things that really struck me when they first started promoting the game. Like the first art they released was for the elf. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not really interested in that. But fortunately, the other art is is much better, in my opinion. The art never really actually bothered me. But one thing I got also to mention is how awesome those miniatures look. The miniatures, I think, are some of the best fantasy flights ever put out. They're phenomenal. They have such stat, um, such like awesome poses, and they're like actually not just static individuals that look like statues. They're actually like, doing stuff. Like the rogue is like standing up on like one foot, like throwing a knife or something. It looks they look really cool, and I think they're really well done. Like the that, that's just me. I think the miniatures are fantastic, and I'm excited to get these things painted and looking on the board. Yeah, the, the miniatures are very high quality. They're hard plastic miniatures. They're well detailed. I mean, they're not Games Workshop level, but they're pretty darn close. I have no complaints about the miniatures. They're really well done. The only real thing that I that brings down the components a bit is the total cost of the package. I think it's MSRP $175, which is a lot. It might be reasonable when you consider, you know, you have all this terrain. It's a rather large box. And app development is not cheap, and the app does an awful lot in this game. But overall, it's it's kind of pricey. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. All of that later. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us what your number four is? All right, so my number four is uh, another mixed one, and this is focused on the scenario design, at least in what we've seen so far. I'll start with the positives first. Uh, I think the scenarios are nicely varied, kind of like what you're doing, what environment you're in. And the thing that I probably like the most, and not every scenario has had this, but most of them have, 
is uh, kind of like the story beats that come out, like these unique situations you get into. I won't give any spoilers, but there are some really neat things that like kind of stuck with me. Like that was a cool kind of emergent story of that intense fight that we had in this place with this kind of event and these kind of obstacles. I think they're doing some cool stuff with the scenarios. Now, that being said, uh, two main complaints to bring it down for me. First of all, the cool ideas don't always translate to interesting gameplay. Uh, some of the scenarios have been very repetitive. They've had downtime that is not very interesting. Again, I'm not going to get into specifics to avoid any spoilers. And the other big thing is kind of on the same topic of downtime. A key thing is that like sometimes you'll just need to explore and like go search through like five bookcases for a while and no enemies are there and no negative events are happening. And it's interesting to compare this to something like Iridia that uh, Steve previewed recently. Iridia kind of goes into like free play mode. Like, hey, just move as far as you want. Just do as many actions as you want. There aren't any enemies. Who cares? Uh, but this one doesn't do that. So <laughs> you'll have like kind of awkward things where like you all have to sort of be moving and doing actions. But some of you don't have anything to do while one person runs back to the piece of terrain you didn't interact with. Not a big complaint, but that combined with the weak points of several of the scenarios we've played while still having really great ideas in them uh, brings it down to a mix overall. Although I, I do like that they're at least doing something different. It's certainly better than many dungeon crawlers I've played. I'll pile on a little bit to that. The one thing that bothered me the most is that there was a lot of times where I was one move away from getting somewhere. And it wasn't somewhere where I needed to do one thing. I needed to do a test two or three times or whatever. So normally when you do your movement, you can move part of your movement and then do other actions in between. They don't care. But if you're literally from a door to get to this one piece of train, whatever it is you have to interact with, you're one short. There's no way to get that one move except for taking an entire other move action. Now you spend a second action doing that move to literally move one space and then you do your interact action, you don't get what you need. So now you have to sit there for the rest of your turn. And there can be turns like that where it's just boring. And I find myself doing that while other characters are like running somewhere else because they have nothing to do in that room, you know, because I've already taken care of whatever's in that room. So for me, that bothered me quite a bit in certain missions. Certainly one of the earlier ones where there's a lot of movement, a lot of different directions, kind of everybody went in their own direction. I felt like I was missing out while I'm like interacting with this bookshelf or with this pot or whatever, and everybody else is sitting there fighting and having a grand old time. So <laughs> I, I th that bothered me. Uh, not enough to, to come on my list. I, I think it kind of goes in with some of the other points, but uh, that one bothered me quite a bit where it feels like the designers messed up. And, like, they didn't count the spaces it took to get somewhere. Well, well, or, or they could have looked at literally the last two games in kind of this same uh, system from Fantasy Flight and kept the rule about using fatigue to move a little bit extra instead of getting rid of it. <laughs> That's one way to do it would be just to say, like, hey, if you want to spend a fatigue, you can move one more square. And now Colin and I played, and we, I don't think we really came across this too much, but now we're both controlling two characters. So if one of my characters is running off and checking a bookshelf, it didn't really matter to me because I knew I'm using that other character to do something awesome. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that would definitely make a difference. We were playing three players. Didn't experience it at all. There was actually a time where Colin had positioned one of his guys, the he one of our healers, in a certain spot and really didn't move because we had to keep moving around him to get to different places. So we'd be running by and he'd be healing us as we're running by his guy, which actually was kind of cool to see him doing this. And all of a sudden these monsters come out right almost on top of the healer. We're like, oh, crap, now we got to get run back to the healer to help him out because he's all fatigued up because he's been using his heels to heal us. Yeah, but it would suck if that was somebody controlling that character, right? Correct. Like if that's all they were doing. 
it didn't really then being able to control two characters oh we didn't really see it so it obviously is never going to be anywhere on my list because i haven't tried to play this like you guys have where you're each only controlling one character yeah you know that uh i mean this kind of spoils some of the my later list but there are several things on my list that i think i might enjoy more if i was controlling two or three characters like playing solo or two player one thing about what mike said I think we had an early mission where we had cleared the enemies out and we were kind of just wandering around using actions to, you know, interact with things. And it was a little bit slow at that point. But then there was another scenario where we thought we came across one of those situations where there were no enemies until all of a sudden a lot of big bads popped up and started coming after us. So I think the scenarios are varied and it's kind of difficult to just have like a free mode where, you know, you can take whatever actions you want because sometimes the app seems to be tracking something in the background. Yeah, and I'm sure they want you to always worry about something coming. It's just in many of the missions, even the one you're talking about, Jerry, after we defeated that big group of big bads, then we had downtime for like the next four turns, you know? So it's just inconsistent, I guess, in terms of like the pacing. Well, and I don't want to say that that's necessarily a horrible thing either because those turns go way faster, right? When you're not rolling dice, when you're not interacting with the app as much, those turns aren't as long. So as much as we're making a big deal of it here, I, I don't know that it's as big a deal because those turns tend to be faster anyway. And not only that, you're at least able to use them to kind of prepare yourself for something that might be coming. Like, oh, I got to flip this card. I hopefully can get rid of the fatigue on this kind of thing. Wait, wait, we're, we're taking too long on my point. Uh, Peter, what's your number four? My number four is slow leveling. And this is probably my biggest con with the game. And I'm sure it might be higher on other people's lists, but boy, we have played... I don't know. We we said four, but it feels like it's been uh, more missions. Yeah, I, I, think, five. Five. I think it's five. Uh, and, and the missions are pretty epic. So they're pretty long hours each, several hours each. You know, we're planning on playing more than one in a night. And a lot of times it doesn't happen because the, the mission takes way longer than we thought it would. And so you're doing all this stuff. And then I get a new hammer and I'm like, oh, cool. I get a new hammer for my character. And I'm like, that's awesome. I can't wait to make it and see what it does. And it does barely more than my other hammer or a lot of times not even more than my other hammer it just works in a different way so that can be frustrating <laughs> i don't know i'm i mean if you've seen my list of things that i love in games i love fast leveling systems i love where you're constantly getting better it's one of my biggest complaints with gloomhaven and i think here it's even worse because at least in gloomhaven you're leveling up every few missions here you might be leveling up your haft or something else. Like, so you, you might do something 30% of the time or whatever else, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem exciting. I'm not getting cool, big new moves or whatever else. And I know Jerry has had a different experience because he's gotten some new skills for some of his characters. And and it's interesting how this works. And I'm sure somebody's going to cover this in more detail. So I'll just glaze over it a little bit, but every character has their own individual mission in the middle of the mission. So similar to Gloomhaven, where you've got this, like, do these things to, like, make progress toward getting whatever. They have that in this game, too. But here, you get to, first of all, pick one of two, like, and it'll change halfway through the campaign if you've completed one. And that's how you get new skills and stuff. But I just, I don't feel like I'm getting them fast enough. And I don't feel like my characters have really changed that much between the first game and where we are now. Maybe I've gotten cooler stuff, but I don't feel cooler or more powerful. And so for me, that's kind of a big negative because I love fast leveling systems and I love cool leveling systems and I'm not in love with this one. And it takes way too long, in my opinion, to do the crafting and stuff like that, where you're just not getting a whole lot of bang for your buck out of it. I might have something to say about that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. Well, Barrett, back to you. What's your number three? 
My number three is pretty much going to piggyback right on top of where you left off. It's the feats, and that's the system you're talking about, where you get to choose the two. You get to try to perform these feats. Um, this is a pro, and this is the reason it's a pro is because it makes you want to try to do things that you wouldn't just kind of automatically just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. The, what these some of these feats will be is like, hey, try to interact with these type of objects, or try to hit this monster with this type of things, or try to do two attacks with a certain weapon at one time. And all these things are kind of cool. So you're trying to maneuver your guy to be able to do these things, and so it adds variety to what you're trying to do in the game now the problem with this sadly is it's it should be a mix right now and i'm sure it's gonna be a full-on pro hopefully it probably could be a pro right now we've come to a problem where there's an, a couple errors in the app where sometimes when you complete these feats you click on it and then you get something and you now can pick two more but we've found that sometimes it doesn't progress it's just frozen on this thing and you won't be able to pick the next ones and we didn't know what to do about this we found if you shut the entire app all the way down to like turn it off not just the device like shut the entire app down fire it back up then most likely it'll be able to kick that thing and you can pick the next one but i i had completed one of my feats near the beginning of our mission and i didn't get to pick a new one until the next time because we didn't know about this but the feats are really cool because they open up new skills. They give you abilities to craft new things for your weapons. And I think that's a really cool feature because on top of not only getting all these neat things, it makes you want to do things in the game that you might not just do. And I don't, does that make sense? It, it gives you more variety during the mission. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, for sure. Oh, and I agree with that part. A hundred percent. I will say we encountered the same kind of bugs with the feat system. Uh, there was one, bug where Peter's character it just wouldn't register when he had hit the trigger for the feat until I think an app update fixed that one and then we ran into that same problem uh, with my character where I had completed the feat it recognized that but it wouldn't let me go through and select the next group of feats until we completely shut down the app and restarted it so yeah there there are a couple little bugs mostly it seems to be with the feat system but it seems to be getting better there there they are still working on it all right Jerry how about your number three well, my number three is similar to Peter's number four, and that is some of the leveling and, and the city phase can be a bit slow. I hesitate to use the word boring because I, w- I was never bored when we did it, but the leveling itself is very subdued. We weren't advancing our skills. You don't get new armor or weapons during a mission. Anything you acquire during a mission, it's always for later use, which means the next mission you could equip it. Uh, You can't change out in the middle of a mission, which was a little disappointing. The only thing you can equip during a mission, I think, is the consumables, which are like potions, basically. So that was a a little subdued. And we're through five missions. I was playing the elf, and I got two new skills via feats at the end of the last mission. But up until then, I think we were all playing with a single skill. So we weren't making any choices about what skill to bring. Our weapons, uh, when we upgrade them, like you said, it's some percentage chance most of the time you know, has a 10% chance to weaken them or whatever. And 10% doesn't seem like a whole lot. Like it didn't trigger often enough to feel like we were getting meaningfully more powerful. And then the city phase in between the missions, I don't know, it, it's it's almost a solo game. Like we'd go into the, the city and there's one place where you craft, there's one place where you buy, and then there's one place where you equip. It didn't really excite me to go through that phase. That said, I'm hoping that the leveling gets more interesting. I think you know, the first five missions, I thought still feel like we're kind of in the intro for the characters. So maybe it gets a lot more interesting as, as time goes on. But we are a third into the game, and I would have thought by now I'd feel like our characters were more powerful in a meaningful way. All right, well, for my number three, uh, I'm back to Baron's number five, uh, the story. 
And I put this as a pro, but I don't disagree with anything Barrett said. Um, it's just kind of a different perspective on it. And even though it's a pro, I think it's still a very weak core plot. Like, they kind of introduced a problem in the first mission, and then it hasn't really progressed much. So <laughs> it's certainly not a pro if you compare it to something like Madar, which I know Barrett is playing a lot right now, which uh, feels like it's actually like a epic story and like has a lot of characterization like i think madara does it way better but most crawlers in my opinion are so lackluster on like their plot that this still is better than most for me like uh got compared to gloomhaven uh yeah <laughs> have any story at all of course it's better than gloomhaven well yes it's better than gloom but i'd say it's also like better than sword and sorcery which try to do like this pop culture like wink nudge thing that i found very off-putting i think it's better than most of like the crawlers that i have played uh, but really the thing that makes it a pro for me is not the main plot, which I think is pretty boring, but the characterization. So few dungeon crawlers, and I think this is on purpose, they want you to like kind of inhabit your own version of the character, but so few dungeon crawlers give you like actual characters with personalities. And this one, uh, not only do you have characters with personalities, but they have like funny dialogue. They like have their own little quirks. As uh, Baron said, many of the missions like focus on individual characters and you get to like learn more about them. You get to make like moral choices with them. And it, it, this has certainly been elevated in our group because uh, Peter and Jerry and I are reading like the dialogue of our characters out loud and like having a fun time with it and making up goofy voices. Uh, like we're having a lot of fun with it. I'm, I'm sure not everyone will have that same level of fun if you just like read the dialogue. It's not the greatest writing ever, but it, it is certainly something that's keeping me coming back to the game. Like I am invested in finding out like what happens to the characters, even if I don't necessarily expect there to be anything really cool in the overall like uh, main plot narrative. And I think the reason why that works so well is the characters have names. The characters have who they are. Exactly. It's so hard when you play a game like Sword and Sorcery and your character A. And it's like, so the story has to just be like, oh, adventurers do this. I mean, that's just so generic. I love games that actually, I'm sorry, you don't get to name your character. He's named this. And these are kind of who he is. I think that brings the game so much more alive. Well, And the thing is, Madara, I think it's, again, better than Descent. Madara shows that you can have incredible variety in how you build your characters while still giving them a name and personality. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you have to give up customization of your characters to uh, have a good story surrounding them. I'm definitely more bored with games that are just like, hey, generic adventurers in generic adventure. That's not uh, doing it for me as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two different ways that Dungeon Crawls have handled this. One is, you know, like your Gloomhaven, where you are the character. Like, you name the character, and the character doesn't do anything that that you don't tell it to do, basically. But then the, then you have things like Descent or Medora. I've never played Medora, but uh, based on what you're saying, where the character kind of exists independently of the player, and the player is making guiding choices and obviously handling the actual adventure gameplay, but they have a personality, a name, outside of the choices that the player makes. And I think that kind of ties back into the whole that you aren't playing a particular character all the way through, that character exists whether you're playing it or not, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Good call. Well, and I think you could even do it a third way. And I think Descent does it kind of o- almost in the middle a little bit for me too, where your characters, you control your character and you've got your own personality and things like that. But the NPCs have such strong characterization and they have their own personalities and you get invested in them. And I think a lot of dungeon crawlers fail even on that front where I don't care about the NPCs. Like some of the Gloomhaven missions we played, I was like, 
oh, this is the big bad. I don't even remember him. I know they kept mentioning him, but like, there's nothing that stood out about that character to me before I got to the very end of the mission. What? You, you, you don't remember tumor dude guy? Roland. <laughs> Roland? Roland. Roland. He was a, he was a vibrant villainous character. I was so mad at him for the, the things that he did in the, in the, in the places. Yes. So bottom line is, I think you can have a third option where you have strong NPCs and maybe they're your guides or they're your helpers or whatever else. I know we try to do this in spare parts where those characters became someone that you became attached to. And I I think you look forward to hearing their dialogue. So it might not be you that's the main character. And it works a little bit in Descent like that, too. And that's why I said Descent's kind of a middle ground, because sometimes there won't even be characters that you're controlling at the time that come in and interject their personality in there. So I think the characters can be NPC sometimes, but they can be the character you're controlling sometimes too, which is kind of a, an interesting way of doing it. I don't know. Yeah. I think they do a good job with the characters. And yeah, I'd say Descent, beyond just having a name and a personality, Descent does a, or Descent Legends of the Dark does a, a decent job with the characterizations because there are other games like, let's use Journeys in Middle-Earth as an example. The characters all have names and, and exist, but... I didn't never got the impression that they had any kind of personality whatsoever. You didn't feel like Gimli? Really? I did not. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's keep going. My number three is the app itself. So honestly, I thought this was going to be everybody's number one. And I was going to be alone on an island here. And then Mike made it his number five. You had to outdo me, didn't you, Mike? Oh, yeah, man. Always. Next time it'll be my number six. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Also ran. So the one thing I'll say about the app is they finally implemented the back button. I know that's something that everybody's been clamoring over. So if you didn't quite see where you're supposed to put that monster, you can hit the back button. Uh, It is a little bit buggy still, but I'm not going to put that as a major ding against it, only because I know within six months, everything's going to be fixed and it's not going to be an issue anymore. I mean, these things always go this way. I will say, if you don't like app-based games, I don't think this is going to change your mind. If you didn't like Mansions of Madness, if you didn't like Journeys of Middle-Earth, you didn't like the apps in those, these do very similar things than it did there. The one nice feature beside the back button I think they added, though, in this one is that hidden information. I know we kind of said it doesn't feel like you're more powerful, but it is kind of cool when you hit a 10% skill or a 20% skill. I will say sometimes when I got a new haft or whatever else, it like for one of my characters, it literally did the exact same thing that my weapon already did, like innately. So that was a little frustrating, but uh, beside that, for the most part, I think these this hidden information made it a little bit more random to me in a good way, where I was excited to kind of see, oh, am I going to hit one of these things? So I did kind of like the fact that there was hidden, non-trackable information that was going on in the background that would sometimes do something cool. So I did like that. I just wish that was part of how you got better, not all of how you got better. For me, the app is a pro. I do like these app-based games, but I don't think it's going to be the app to change anybody's mind if they didn't like app-based games. All right. Uh, We're getting down to number two for Bernd. Nine, number two. Uh, Basically, my two and one are probably going to be stuff we already talked about, so there's not really going to be too much more to say about it. It's the card flip mechanic, which is really cool. The problem is I want more cards to flip. We're coming back to the problem with the, I only have one experience point and I've gotten through four missions. Come on, give me another skill that I can put out there to be able to use. I mean, sure, you might get a couple more based on feats, but you still can only pick one at this point. And I want more. 
I'm there must be a balancing thing that they're working with because I know that means you can throw more fatigue all over your characters and be able to do more things all the time, which of course then makes you feel more powerful, which I'm sure is going to happen. But our level, like you said, leveling is a little bit slow. I want it a little bit faster. I've been playing, I play two and a half hours for one scenario. And then at the end I get some herbs and I can maybe make a potion and I got a half right. for my, <laughs> my, my weapon. That's fantastic. Now let's go to the next mission. Oh good. I left it. Now I can put some of the back end of my other weapon. I mean, come on. I want another experience point. I want another card to flip. I want to be able to do more stuff with my characters to make myself feel cool. But the other part, the cord flipping mechanic is fantastic. It keeps you in the game. It keeps you tactile. It keeps you wanting to do, you're doing stuff with these cards. You want to make sure you're flipping these. I mean, one character has a, has that shadow ability where it's super, the way the card flips, it totally makes it feel like this thief is going into the shadows, taking like a sneak attack and jumping out of the shadows and jumping back into the shadows. It's a really cool mechanic. And I love the way they did it. All right, Jerry. So uh, my number two is uh, Peter's number three and that it's a, uh, it's definitely an app driven game. That happens to be a pro for me, but like Peter said, if you are not a fan of apps and board games, this is definitely not going to change your mind. I found the app to be the most similar to Journeys in Middle-Earth, but with several improvements. It seems like they've learned uh, a bit from the experience they had with Journeys in Middle-Earth. One is they had a back button, which I, I can't express my happiness that they have a back button <laughs> enough. I can't believe uh, they didn't retroactively put that in their other apps at this point. Yeah, it's I, ridiculous. I, well, I can't believe they didn't figure that out, that they should have a back button during their testing phases. And by the way, there's three other app-driven games. It's not like they have a chance, right? Oh, there's more than that. There's there's Descent, there's Imperial Salt, there's Journeys of Middle-Earth, and there's Mansions of Madness. Oh, you're and right. Yeah, there's this four. This is the first one that has a back button that I'm aware of. So That's crazy. Unless they have updated it since I've played. Fifth time's the charm, guys. That's right. <laughs> I found the writing to be serviceable, although there is a lot of clicking that has to go on to go in between the, the dialogue during the in between the missions and sometimes even within the mission. But I thought they did a really good job with this app with making it feel like a, an RPG. So all the information that's going on in the background. So, for example, in Journeys of Middle Earth, they had a very explicit timer that you had to go by. Yep. Every round would add more threat. You could see how close you were to whatever bad thing was going to happen through each turn. It was, a, it was just an explicit timer, which was an improvement over Mansions of Madness, which had a timer in the background, but gave you very few hints as to what was going on with that timer. Uh, I remember we played Mansions of Madness with our friend uh, TC Petty, and we had been playing Mansions of Madness for like three hours, and then all of a sudden it said, oh, you ran out of time, everybody dies. And uh, he was uh, quite upset about that. <laughs> yeah, we just looked at each other like, what? What just happened? Three hours later? Are you kidding right. me? So Journeys in Middle-Earth improved on that and made the timer a bit more explicit. But I think this does it best in that it, the timer is not explicit, but it's inherent in the gameplay itself. So yes. it'll tell you what's going on and you can see what's going on that might be triggering a timer. And in some cases, there might not be a timer. And that gets back to what my computer were talking about earlier. Like there are some times when you were just wandering around with no enemies, which didn't really bother me that much because I found it closer to a role-playing game where you might have, you know, downtime in between combats where you might be doing some exploration, some interaction, trying to figure out some puzzles or what to do next. And I thought that was really well done for the most part in the app itself. And I would just reiterate what had been said before. Don't play this on a phone. I would recommend nothing smaller than an iPad. And if you can cast it to a TV, that's probably the best because it is something that really, if you're playing more than solo, it's helpful for everybody up to be able to see it so they can be more engaged. 
and just have one person control the iPad. That's how we've been doing it for the most part. But we tried it one time with just the tablet and not casting to the TV just to see how it would work. And it worked okay. It was fine. It wasn't as good as when we had it cast to the TV, but it was okay. But overall, this is definitely an app-driven game. Can't exist without the app. It also can't exist without the board. So it is, it is definitely a, an amalgamation of the two. But if you don't like app-based board games, you will not like Descent Legends of the Dark. Yeah, my number two is, uh, I think we've all mentioned it. Maybe not Jerry yet, but... Oh, no, Jerry did too. Uh, it's the upgrading. And yeah, uh, your character's growing. And huge con for me. Biggest con by far. Like, almost enough to make me not want to play the game anymore. How lethargic <laughs> and slow do you want my leveling to be? Now, I-, I will say it is almost enough to bring it up to a mix. The feat system, I think that is really good. I totally agree with Berndt. I think that uh, having these like little objectives to make you do unusual things, uh, fight in ways that might not be ideal for the situation, I think that's good. Although my one complaint about the feats is uh, sometimes you'll bring somebody into a mission not knowing that your feat is impossible. Oh, you're supposed to fight bandits? There aren't any bandits in this entire scenario. So congratulations on not making any progress whatsoever towards anything interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the actual leveling up is so slow and God, having the same skills over and over again, that your characters aren't that interesting to start out. It's not like Gloomhaven where you have like this really cool, unique character, even from level one. There's not that much going on with most of the characters. Like the rogue that Barrett mentioned, I think is an exception. Uh, he's pretty cool but they just aren't that uh, kind of diverse and interesting. And the worst part about the upgrading for me, and this is more a personal thing beyond just the slowness, is that what upgrading is there feels like an app-based game. And specifically those very grindy ones, like the, the Star Wars one my wife used to play, the Marvel one, where you're like getting medals for characters and you're like slowly building them up like one star and you'll play for like five hours and hey, I got a plus 2% bonus to my first skill. Yay, like this incredibly gradual minor stuff. I'm sure some people might enjoy it. Like, ooh, if I can mix this half with this uh, head to my weapon, then it will uh, do plus 15% dazing and that'll combo with something else. But so far I've seen so little comboing. It's just so dull. And like Peter said, at least for me, I am all about the growth in dungeon crawlers. I'm here to find an awesome sword. I'm here to get armor. Like I'm a D&D kid. I grew up with role-playing games where I would get cool things almost every session. And there's almost none of that here. I'm hoping it picks up. If not, it's going to be tough for me to finish this campaign. Well, and as you can see, we're going to have to go back to this one and revisit it, right? When we're done the campaign and really give our final thoughts at that point. See if they change or not. I, I have a feeling Mike not might not make it to the end of the campaign, but we'll see. But I, I think it will be worth revisiting once we've gotten further into it. Yeah, definitely. We've also said many, many times, your first impression is the most important, right? And our first impression through five missions is that it's slow and it's not fun. And like, if you can't get somebody that sixth mission, that seventh mission, if you lose them because you're not leveling as fast early on, then that's a problem as well. So I I think a lot of people are going to probably fall out where we are right now. It has felt grindy. It has felt like we're not making progress. It it, it feels like we're just trying to get everybody's backstory at this point. And at this point in a lot of campaigns, I feel like you're already well into the campaign and you already at least know what your objective is, whatever else you maybe met the bad guy. So I don't know. All that being said, my number two is the stamina system. And I think we've talked about it a little bit, but a lot of people talked about it as the flipping system. I want to refer to it as the stamina system because for me, that's the more interesting part or the part that I wish was more interesting. So it's a little bit of a mix for me as well, which a lot of these points have been. 
the stamina system, one thing they used to have in Descent was you could spend one stamina to move one space. And I feel like there are so many times I wish I could do that in this game. And they've even got it more interesting than it was in older Descent games because there are abilities you can use from your items or your character that use stamina. There are enemies that'll hit you and do stamina damage to you. So like, it's a really could be a very interesting, very cool system where it's like pros and cons. Do I really want to do this? I'm kind of hurting myself to do this, but I felt none of that. And that's the problem with it for me. Like I know some of Jerry's characters, like the mages and stuff had a lot more flipping and a lot more cool stuff involved. I felt like, especially with one of my characters, I don't know, Baron, have you played the dwarf? Yes. Yes. I have played the dwarf. Killy. What were your thoughts on the dwarf? I never flipped a card. Never, never once. It was the most nope. boring thing ever. I walked up and hit him. I hit him real good. And that was it, right? <laughs> like, there was no reason. You never got stamina on anything. It was like the most boring character. And he was so slow moving three. And I used him on a mission, which was very much movement based, where you had to move all over the place. And I was just so frustrated that I couldn't do anything that mission. Not only that, but like he was just so boring to play. And I quickly just put him aside and we've never played the dwarf again. It's funny you say that because when I flipped the cards finally and read the backside, I was like, oh, these are kind of cool skills, but they're very situational. So I didn't know really when I would ever use them. I was like, oh, this person can like give you an extra success when you're checking a bookcase. It's like, really? <laughs> I'd rather have an extra success when I'm hitting the guy with the hammer. Right, exactly. And and that's the thing. You use the hammer the whole time, probably. Now, the only reason to use a crossbow in my mind is if you couldn't get close enough. But here's the problem. The crossbow's range was exactly enough that if you flip to it, it didn't get you any closer because I could have just taken that action to move and then I would have been able to hit him with my hammer. So why would I flip to my crossbow? Like it was, ah, oh, it was very, that, that character, that was the most frustrating session. I was almost done after I played with that dwarf. So I did have better success with other characters and I know some characters were more interesting than others, but the stamina system has so much potential. There are like pluses on the dice, which if you spend stamina, then you can buff those actions. You can get more successes for doing it. The problem is there just weren't enough of them. They weren't interesting enough. It wasn't like, oh man, my choice is between using one, two, or three stamina this turn. The choice is like, all right, I got zero, maybe one, and very, very rarely I got two. It just wasn't enough. So I didn't think the choices with the stamina were interesting enough. That being said, there's a lot of potential in the stamina system. There's a lot of potential where all these cards get stamina on them. Your character sheet your weapon, and your skill. Those are the three that we have right now. They all get stamina for doing things in the game, and you can flip that card and just get rid of all the stamina. And now you have a totally fresh weapon that you can do totally cool new things with. And if the enemy hits you for stamina damage, you can just add stamina. You don't have to take it as damage damage. And so there's a lot of cool stuff in that system, so I'm going to keep it as a mixed. But man, I think the execution is very poor through the first five missions. I'm hoping it becomes more interesting as you go on for every character. I know some characters are more interesting than others. Yeah, Peter was so bored with the dwarf, he didn't even recognize that it was a she. Was it? Yes. Yeah, it is yes, a female yes. dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, no, that's a she. And it's funny that the mission you're referring to is her mission. 
It's like, that's the mission you have to go on is like one where you're running around this whole area and she can only move three spaces. Now, I mean, granted again, we were playing two characters each, so it didn't bother me too much that she was moving three squares only. And I was able to get other places with other characters and she would come in and mop things up or she would move first to be able to do things that then other people could move faster, farther away because we already took care of that monster or something. So I think we didn't really experience too much of the issue that you had. with. And again, I think a lot of this stems from just the way we, we experienced the game. Okay, my number one, I'm actually surprised that uh, I didn't even think about the app as being on this card at all. I My number one is actually, oh, wait, it is the app. Okay, my number <laughs> one is the app. <laughs> and I don't think I really have much else to say except that this was the first game that I've played with an app that I actually wasn't distracted by the app as much as I thought I would be for how much that app is doing. I thought that was really cool that we were actually really focusing on the board a lot more, figuring out how we're going to get to certain places, figuring out how we're going to interact with different things, how we're going to take advantage of where monsters were positioned and we were really talking generally a lot of things and trying to look at our cards to see how we should be able to take on certain things that the app really when was just hit a couple buttons for combat other than outside of the actual missions where you're doing all, like you said, that town phase, which I have to admit, Colin actually did almost a whole town phase by himself while I was gone because yeah, you just, <laughs> you could pretty much do it on your own if you needed to. I didn't really need to be there except to maybe read part of the story moments that were happening. But that was the thing I think I really liked about the app is it tracked so much stuff during combat that, I was able to keep my focus on the board and interact and really visually experience the game. All right, Jerry. All right, so my number one, and I think it's been touched on already, but is the scenario design. And this is definitely a pro for me. Uh, I found the scenario design itself, independent of the characters and the leveling and all that stuff, but the actual scenarios themselves were really well done. Uh, they were varied. There was different things going on. They, in some cases, took advantage of the terrain. There wasn't as much racing against the clock, or at least I didn't feel I was racing against the clock like I did in Journeys in Middle-Earth. Uh, in Journeys in Middle-Earth, for uh, just as a comparison, when you have that track, you will skip over exploring. Like, you can't explore everything that's on, on the map because there's this somewhat artificial timer going off. Well, this hat might have a timer in the background, but it feels much more organic. So we still don't get to explore everything that's on the map, but it feels like we're not exploring it because we want to do something else rather than we want to, you know, just beat the clock. So I really like how they've integrated those types of systems that you need to have for a dungeon crawler. Like you need to have some sort of time pressure. You need to have something to advance the plot. And it seems like they did a much better job designing that into the scenarios in this game versus some of the other ones that I've played. And, you know, especially in comparison to games like Gloomhaven, which I think is an excellent game. But the scenario design isn't nearly as interesting or robust, even though they try to throw a, you know, some sort of mechanic in there to, to mix things up. I think it's done much more holistically and organically within Descent. You know, Jerry, you've brought this point up a couple of times, and I actually totally agree. And it's not something I put on my list, but it's really important, I think. And that is that there isn't this fake time pressure on you. You know, a lot of games will do that with a turn tracker or whatever else. And I mean, we've done this ourselves where you've got this time pressure on you. And I think it's good for certain games, but it, it's not present here. And I actually think for the better. And so I, I do agree with you. That's my biggest con for Journeys in Middle Earth playing it back now is just that artificial time pressure and the fact that like i've just got to explore 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 not because i want to explore like i like that this game makes you want to explore it's like well i don't have much else to do so let me go ahead and explore this area over here like it gives you the options to do things and there's still quite a few things you can do 
but it doesn't feel overwhelming like Mansions of Madness where it's like, there's a shiny thing in the bush. Well, I want to see that, but I can't because of this time pressure. It feels like it gives you enough time to do that here. But at the same time, it still feels like it's giving you that pressure because maybe more monsters will spawn while you're going ahead and doing those things. So I feel like there's a time pressure here, but I, I think that they do it in a much more organic way and one that isn't thrown in your face the way it was in Journeys of Miller. Yeah, and one other thing I'd add about the scenarios is I like what they've done in Descent. When you try to do an action that's basically impossible to do, you know, like you try to open a door that's just locked by the scenario until some given trigger, they give you your action back, which is something that I don't remember being present in a lot of other dungeon crawlers. Like you'll try to do something, like you'll try to open a locked door and it's still locked and oh, well, you just lost an action. And that, that comes dangerously close to the loser turn mechanic, which I absolutely despise. And this one allows you, like, if you're doing something that's just impossible, it will give you your action back to go do something else with it while still getting the information that, no, you can't mess with that door yet. Well, Journeys in Middle-Earth, because I've played that recently just to kind of remind myself, it gives you these tokens, which you could turn in to upgrade to a success every once in a while, but it still feels very unsatisfying when you do this thing. It's like, oh, you threw this thing out in my way, and then I did it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get this one little thing that I'm not super excited about. So I agree. I think it does it really good here. All right, uh, almost finishing up. Uh, my number one is very similar to Peter's number two. It's kind of focused on like the actions and the flipping cards and fatigue. I sort of lumped it all together. And uh, it's a mix, like kind of edging con for me. Uh, like Peter, I like the uh, three action system. I think it's straightforward. I think it's quick. Although I really enjoy Gloomhaven sometimes. I don't always want to have to think for a ton of time just to move three spaces. <laughs> it's nice to just be able to take a move action and be over there. And then uh, really just echoing Peter for the flipping and fatigue. I think it could be good. I think maybe for like two characters out of the six, it is currently good. And maybe it'll be good. Like once we've actually unlocked a bunch of skills, but I don't think the dice cause enough fatigue. I don't think there's enough pluses on them. So that's not an interesting choice. You can't really spend fatigue for a lot of things. And sometimes the game gives you too many ways to get rid of it. And some sides of the cards are just so much better than others. You're never going to flip them. So I think it's an interesting mechanic that has been totally squandered on uh, some poor balance and design between the abilities. And honestly, this is one thing. A lot of the stuff I like uh, better in this version than Descent 2nd Edition with the uh, Legends uh, app or whatever it was. But uh, in this case, I think the old way Descent did uh, fatigue and stamina is a million times better. You know, give me a lot of cool options that I can spend to uh, activate different abilities and make the hard choice, how do I spend this limited resource? Whereas right now, it doesn't really feel that limited, doesn't really feel that interesting. Uh, it's just not really uh, living up to the potential of the mechanic, I think. I think that's highly dependent on the character you're well, playing. Well, like I said, like I said, for two of the characters, maybe three, I think it works out most of the time. Even then, like even with the uh, the Rogue, which is the one I played the most that I think is interesting, it's still not very interesting a lot of the time. But like the other three are just nothing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> totally boring. And that's a bit of a letdown for half of the roster to not fully capitalize on one of the like core new mechanics that they were uh, bragging about for the game. At least in my opinion. Well, I think they missed a huge opportunity because, like you said, some sides of the cards are better than the others, and that wouldn't be a problem if the other side had, like, three stamina 
capacity on it and the one side only had one so the item's really cool but you're not going to be able to put stamina on it and again now it wouldn't matter very much because stamina isn't as important as i think it could or should be but like that could be a real choice if they made stamina more useful more often it could be a real choice wait a minute this side is clearly better but it doesn't have very much stamina capacity or any stamina capacity. So now I want to flip just to get extra stamina capacity so I can do other things cool, which I can't do on this side. So like I said, I think there's so much potential there. And I'm hoping with future expansions or later in the campaign that it takes advantage of it. But right now it is disappointing for me, as it sounds like it is for you, Mike. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my number one, Barrett thought it was a pro. Jerry thought it was a pro. Mike thought it was a huge con. You guys know what it is? Well, the, the only huge con I had was the leveling up system, right? Any other guesses? Oh, the terrain. The terrain? Yeah, the terrain. The terrain. For me, it is what makes this game. I'm sorry, Mike. Are you, you serious, are, man? Are, you are dead wrong on this. I mean, I'm not wrong. I, it's hey, an opinion, but I just wrong. cannot believe it's your number one. That boggles it, my You mind. are dead wrong. I'm telling you, when I build those things and it's leveled up and like I'm taking staircases to go up and it's oh, the 3D elements of it, it is so cool. I'm sorry. Like, I know it takes a little bit extra time. For me, Gloomhaven, the, the putting the right thing in the right spot was annoying. Here, there's only like three or four different types of terrain. Now I may change my mind when they come up with expansions that have like 10 different other types of terrain, but like there's a bookshelf here, there's a tree and there's like a cauldron or whatever. And that's basically it. There, there's one or two more, but I, I really like the 3d nature of it. And that includes the miniatures. Now I do have two cons that go along with the terrain and I'll agree with Mike on one of them that this is a table hog. Holy cow. I've got a huge table designed for playing miniatures games on right games workshop four by eight table and it still takes up most of the table like it's ridiculous how much space that this terrain takes up i wish everything was shrunk down a little bit by the way people not every game has to be 28 millimeters like you can make smaller scale games like and some of them are really cool but you know how hard it is to paint those if they're smaller? Come on. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But bottom line is this takes up a lot of space. So that's one of the cons. My other big con, beside the price, we'll get to that later, is the character bases. I'm sorry, Fantasy Flight. They tried to do something new here where like you put in these square things on the bottom of their bases and they're color-coded. There is so many cons with this. The only pro is that they do have it so that there are notches on it. So you can see whether it's one, two, three, or four, level one, two, three, or four, not even level. It's just a different thing to differentiate them beside the color. But like these bases, these round snap-on bases have been around for a long time where you just put any miniature in it and it becomes a different color so you can differentiate it. I don't know why they tried to do something new here, but it's directional. So the problem is with these square bases, you can only literally see them from one side of the table. And I don't know, especially with these giant amount of space that this takes up, like I don't know who has a place where they can sit to see every single base unless they turn them all toward themselves. Like why? Why did they make these bases directional? Like they've had the the little rubber things that you just put on the base and it's like, oh, that's the orange enemy. That's the green enemy. That's been around forever. I don't know why they tried to change it here, but it's way worse than just those normal bases that they you could put stuff on. And then also, and this is, goes along with it, like my level one enemy, why do I have to put a base in it? My base guy, I think it's always green or whatever else. Like who cares? 
why should I have to put a base on it? That guy's gray. And the next guy that comes in could be the green guy or the orange guy or whatever else. And you do need that for the app to differentiate the different mobs on the board. But why did they try to put these square things in that ah, unidirectional? I hate it. I hate it. But beside that faux pas, I think everything else is cool. I love the three-dimensional terrain. I love putting the pillars in to put it up. The pillars aren't just used for that. They're sometimes used for terrain in the missions. I just love the 3D nature of it. I love the way it looks on the table. I love the way it acts on the table. I agree with Mike. It's annoying sometimes to have terrain that you left five minutes ago still be there. But I just, I love that aspect of it so much. And I'm learning this about myself. I think I'm not as much of a in my head visual person as a lot of people. Like a lot of people love RPGs because they're telling a story. They're visualizing their own thing. I'm a very tactile person. I need to see it to understand it type person. Now, Gloomhaven, again, I didn't really care because it was all two-dimensional stuff to me. This three-dimensional nature of this, for some reason, it just really hits me in all the right spots. So I love it. Is it worth 175, 180 bucks versus 80 for Journeys in Middle-Earth? That part I don't know about. We'll discuss that in our final thoughts. Well, let's get into them. Uh, Do you want to go in the same order? Bernd, how are you feeling about the game so far? Well, so far we've gotten through four missions. So far I'm enjoying it. So far we're playing with two characters, so we're not really coming across any of the issues that some of you guys had with like not being able to do anything cool with your guy at certain times. Uh, everything I think we've played and experienced so far has been a positive. Uh, we're super excited to get back to it once Colin gets back from his trip. It's, I think, the best app-based game that Fantasy Flight has made so far. Not to mention probably one of the best app-based games out there when it comes to being in a board game. And I have no problem with apps. Love them. Um, is it worth the price point? I, that's subjective. Everybody's going to have to make that decision on their own. If you open that box and you told me it's $175, I would say it, it's tough to swallow that pill. But then you think about how much that, what that app is doing for you. It's doing a lot of the things I don't ever want to try to do. Like you said, I've got 132 herbs. Yay. Great. Don't got to worry about that. It's in the app. Hey, I, this guy is going to hit, you're going to roll a die. Okay. And then we're going to hit some buttons. See how well we did. Oh, fantastic. We did this. Oh, and your thing fired off. It procced. Oh, great. At least I have to take care of the 15, 20% thing that this thing's doing. And so to me, I think it's hitting on all the right cylinders. I'm enjoying it. Waiting for the next expansions. Of course, we have to get through this base game first and we'll have to see what comes of it. I think the miniatures and the production quality is fantastic. In a nutshell, I would pay for this game. Yes. All right, Jerry, how about you? Well, I like it as well. It's probably the most refreshing dungeon crawler I've played in a while, at the very least. The app is really well done. It's integrated well. It uses some of the best capabilities that an app could bring to this kind of game. I share some apprehension at at the speed of leveling and a little bit of the city phase, slower than I would like. And some of the in-between mission dialogue just takes a little too long with too many clicks in between. But... I'm hoping that some of those issues, especially like the leveling, will go away as we play more missions and have more options with the individual characters that we get to choose before each scenario. But overall, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not sure I would pay $175 for it. But you did. No, I did not. I paid $130 something for it. One of the online game store discounts. And at that price, um, so far, I think it was a good purchase. With the, hopefully, if it continues to improve as we get deeper in and hopefully get out of these sort of character introduction missions, could be well worth the price that I paid. 
175, though, I don't know. It's, it seems, that seems a little steep for me. Well, you have to remember, though, this is a dungeon crawler, and I can't think of too many dungeon crawlers I haven't paid a lot of money for. And so when you're looking at a dungeon crawler, I've always thought that dungeon crawlers are kind of your high-end, more expensive games than some than a lot of the other games you're ever going to play. I mean, Madara was no joke on price. Sword and Sorcery, I mean, there's almost every dungeon crawler you pull out. I mean, if you went all in on Deep Madness, that was quite a feat. So dungeon crawlers in general are really going to set you back quite a bit, so you have to decide if that's something you want to jump into. Yeah, that, that is very true. And I can't complain about the, the amount of gameplay that's in the box. I mean, each mission is at least, you know, somewhere between 90 minutes and two hours. And it's a fully engaging 90 minutes or two hours. Like something's happening during those parts of the mission. Like sometimes the whole thing will shift into a, a different phase of the mission. And they do a good job, like I said before, the, with the scenario design. So I think it has like 16 scenarios in it. And I think that's a a decent level of content for the base game. All right, Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty mixed on this one. The the leveling is definitely a big downer for me, and that's one of my main draws to the dungeon crawler genre. The scenario design is a little hit or miss, but generally good. I think the app works well for me. And uh, I find what I'm doing with my characters, again, hit or miss. Like sometimes it's kind of dull, sometimes it's kind of boring. Uh, for me, the story is kind of the main thing bringing me back and is having fun with you guys playing like three player. If I was playing solo, I might enjoy it more because there's more going on between the party of characters. But I also think I might lose a lot from the experience and kind of the camaraderie. So I'm not sure if I would like it more or less solo. Either way, I think, yeah, the, the price is tough because, yes, you got to say, oh, well, they had to develop the app. But like... <laughs> In the end, I'm paying for the game I'm playing. Like, I don't care how you got that game to my table. If you're using an app, well, that was your choice. And there are some things in the app that definitely increase my uh, enjoyment. Certainly, again, like the dialogue and kind of getting to the characters does. But there's a lot of things in the app that I could not care the least about that they seem to have spent a lot of time and money on. So I don't know. Comparing it to Madara, comparing it to Gloomhaven, comparing it to a lot of the big crawlers that I bought over the years... I guess, like, scenario-wise, it compares reasonably well, but certainly, like, miniatures and content and just stuff in the box, I think it is way uh, down compared to them. So uh, I'm glad that Jerry bought it. I'm glad that we're having uh, fun playing it. I certainly would not buy this myself uh, ever, even at a discounted, like, $130 price. I I don't think there's enough there for me. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of enjoying it. I want to push through, but, man, if it does not pick up in a major way in the next couple of scenarios... We might have to talk about uh, turning it into a two-player campaign instead of a three-player one because it's definitely not heavily exciting for me. And yeah, I mean, five scenarios in, like, <laughs> you need to be having something going on. Come on, game. All right. I will give my final thoughts. I will say I, I've been very mixed on this throughout my points and throughout my thought process. Like, I am wanted to play several more weeks just to get a better feel for it because I didn't have a feel for it. And I think even coming into this review, I didn't know how it was going to come out at the end. But listening to Barrett really brought something up in my mind. I think this game, and, and we've started doing this more, recommending player counts. I think this game would be awesome at two-player. I think actually almost none of my criticisms of this game would be present at two-player. Now, one player, I don't think I'd want to read through all this stuff myself. Now, now, Peter, do you mean two player, two heroes each or two player, one hero? Two player, two heroes each. I I really think that might be a sweet spot for this game. 
And so I, I really want to start pointing that out to people in our reviews too, like where I think the sweet spot is because you, me and Jerry played a game the other night and I thought it was terrible. Then I played it solo on my own and I thought the game was great. So I do think each game may have a best player count. And I think two players might be the right player count for this game. One of my favorite games of all time, Marvel's Champions. is only good in one and two players, in my opinion, right? So I, I do think there are sweet spots for games, and I think this one is two players, two characters. So depending on the size of your game group is going to determine your enjoyment level. I think four players, you're going to have way too much downtime with way too many turns where you're not going to be doing stuff that's exciting for you. I think three players is probably going to be okay. We've had some fun with it, but you might not level up to your enjoyment. And if you switch characters and you switch to a character you're not thrilled about, now you're stuck with that character for the whole campaign or, or not the whole campaign for that whole mission. And that could get boring as well, which happened to me during one of our missions. I just, had a terrible time because I was on a wrong character for the wrong mission. But I think if you had two characters, it wouldn't matter as much. And so, yeah, one of my characters is doing something boring, but I'm having fun still because I'm interacting and doing a lot of stuff with my other character. I think a lot of solo players will enjoy it as well. If you don't mind all the reading, for me, it would be too much. And I wouldn't have as much fun because, like Mike said at the very beginning of this review, we're having a lot of fun doing voices, things like that. I think that is half of the fun for me. But I, I don't know. I keep coming back to that 3D element, that tactile element. And to me, that really matters. And I know we're saying, oh, I don't know if it's worth it for the components. For me, making that 3D terrain is worth it. There's more miniatures in this game, I feel like, than Fantasy Flight has done in a lot of their other games. If you look at Journeys in Middle-Earth, there's quite a few minis in there, but they're cheaper plastic, you can tell. And there's just not as many as there is here. So I do think there is more content in there than we originally feel like. But when you think of a $170, $180 game, you think of a bazillion miniatures, and it doesn't have that. But what it has, it does well. And as Barrett said earlier, it's some of the best miniatures out there. And that 3D terrain makes a difference for me. Have you ever finished a Dungeon Crawler, Mike? Yeah. Uh, Gloomhaven? No, not no. not base Gloomhaven. <laughs> I, I got about uh, 30 scenarios in, but yeah. I mean, Jaws, I'm guessing then? No, I dropped out of Jaws uh, like two scenarios before the end. How about a campaign dungeon crawler? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Keep, keep in mind that I was a much bigger fan of dungeon crawlers like maybe five years ago. I used to play a whole bunch of them to completion. I see. So you've kind of done your thing and moved on. Because I'm like, every time it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll probably drop out of this one. Oh, I, I only played a few missions that one. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike gets bored of dungeon crawlers easily. By the way, it's extended a pandemic legacy, too, because we're trying to finish our pandemic legacy season zero campaign. And uh, I think Mike's done with it. I mean, I, I, I get bored with campaigns in general, more so with co-op than solo, because with solo, I can usually kind of race through them a little bit quicker. And definitely my mind wanders like when I'm only playing a single time a week. I mean, I don't know. I, I know I, <laughs> it's trite to say this, but at that point, like I'd kind of rather be playing a RPG. I think they offer a lot more of like the stuff that I enjoy, like even even looking at Descent, like my favorite thing is like the stories and the characters. If we were just playing another Dungeons and Dragons or other RPG system, I'd be having more fun than I'm having with this one. I see. I think that's one reason I really come back to Madara all the time is the fact that it just has such a unique, engrossing story to me that I don't mind playing it out. I think it's fun. For sure. Probably the best thing about Madara for me. I'm with you 100%. By the way, I'd just like to point out that I would not rather be playing an RPG. For me, these are way more fun. I'm more of a mechanical <laughs> guy. And if I'm being told a story, I want to be told a story. Like I said, I don't visualize things very well in my mind. So for me, 
yeah, I'd much rather play something like this than do it an RPG. Oh, see, I'm, I'm kind of on the mic side where I, I, I enjoy RPGs quite a bit. And I'm not sure where I'd fall, whether I'd w- rather play an RPG or, or Descent. It's pretty close, but probably because the way the app handles things in Descent makes it feel somewhat similar to an RPG to me. But Pete's point's well taken. He, he's, not a, he's not a role player. No. <laughs> I do both, and I enjoy both for different reasons, I think. That's probably why I just enjoy the genres of both. In sure, general. sure. I do want to say, though, that's a pretty big statement coming from Jerry. I mean, Jerry, a man of many words, as, we, as we've experienced on this podcast. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a huge statement. When I think about Jerry, when we go to cons, Jerry will go RPG on his own, and we'll be playing board games, seeing the new hotness, whatever else. So if this is at that level for you, where you crave that a lot more than I do, that's, that says a lot to me, how, how highly you think of this game. Yeah, well, I like role-playing games, not so much for the combat. The combat part is actually one of my least favorite parts of role-playing games. Yeah, same for, same for me. I like the role-playing game to have some rules around it. That's why I don't like things like Fate. It's just not crunchy enough for me. But the idea of the role-playing game as sort of a, your characters and you have to figure out what's going on or solve some puzzles or do some investigation, that's what I enjoy most about role-playing games. And I think that there's a, a decent degree of that in Descent that has been translated over to a board game. So I think that's why I enjoy it. And this is probably the most video gamey. I mean, I hate to say it because, you know, I think that's a criticism sometimes of these app-based games. It's like, oh, I could just play a video game. But I mean, the way they do dialogue and stuff like that in this game is more video gamey than they've done in the past. Oh my gosh, it reminds me so much of those 80s style games where you had the picture of the guy and the stuff on the bottom, like playing like Shining Blade, was it Shining Force or something? Well, I was going to say, like that's, that's yeah. not just the 80s, that continues to today. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Most games have at least gotten past that. They've moved into something else, but that was like the big deal back then. Now it's, if it's present now, you're almost wishing you were, that they would upgrade into something new. Well, I, I don't know. I, I guess you play fewer JRPGs, uh, Japanese role-playing games than I do, Barrett. Because, because yes, like if, if you're in like Fallout and Skyrim and like those kind of like 3D, like more of American style RPGs, I guess they've kind of moved away from that. But that's still very common in like strategy games, still very common in tactical uh, RPGs, all those kind of things. Well, and even these app based games now, they do it a lot where like your trainer comes in and tells you something and they show their picture on the left side and you're on the right side. It was very similar. You could tell they took a lot from the video game verse for this app. Very true. Very true. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I appreciate it. Barrett, Jerry, it was nice having you. I'm, I was tired of Mike. So, uh, you know, it's a good break for me. I'm tired of me, too. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm about to say, Mike's tired of you, too. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and Descent, apparently. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Peter. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. No, we loved having you. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Hopefully this was useful for you. You got kind of four different perspectives here. And I think everybody's going to view this differently. You know, the, the more I play games, the more I realize that everybody's got their own views. Even if we're playing the same game at the same table, you know, Jerry, Mike, and I did, and we had three different views coming out. So I think it's valuable knowing somebody's background to know where we're going forward. So I'm glad we got some of that out of us tonight as well. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. 
Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Are we going to do the whole idea of as we're talking, if somebody has your thing, you can say, hey, I have that too, but it's like my number three. Or are we just going to say like at number three or are we going to say like, oh, you know, I might talk about that later. Exactly that. Or, or. You don't have to comment at all afterward because we've got four of us. So people who don't have it can talk about it afterward. Or if everybody's kind of got it, it's like, all right, well, we probably could talk about that more later and then just move on. So what, what we usually try to do is I'll try to go last or Mike and I will go last. We'll let you two go first because a lot of times we'll, we can come up with like something else like tangentially related to it that sure. we can talk about that the other person didn't cover. Because you guys are experts. Got it. Well, just because we've done it a lot. <laughs> I know. You are experts. You've been doing podcasts longer than anybody here. I've been doing the do longer than anybody. Doing the do. Ah, yes. And that brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Is that from Fear of a Black Hat? No, it's from uh, Waterboy. Oh, yes. When I, does my... that. And then uh, like a week later, he got picked up for crack. <laughs> or something. Nice. In real life. <laughs> Wait, me? I got picked up for crack? That's right. Should have been. I'm sorry, family. Do you have the three Patreon names? Uh, I'm looking. It's since since we're one day away from September, I don't have the ones who like joined this past month. Did you say joined? Joined. <laughs> joined? It's a word. What? What do you want from me? That's a fancy level. Oh, look at me. We've got fancy words here. Joined? What other word should I use? Joyend? You it's like the word joy with end at the end. Like you jumped <laughs> in the joy. Joyend. Alright, fair enough. Joined, right? It's like one word. Joined. One syllable. Joined. Joined. Joyend. Joined. No, I said it right. Joined. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alright, I will have the Say, it, say it so many times it loses all meaning. Joined. Joined. Joy to the world. All <laughs> uh, the boys and girls. Jesus. So our joy to the fishes is, in the deep blue sea. Is Mike uh, practicing saying joy the word "joined"? That's right. And again, I think a lot of this stems from just the way we we experience the game. Barrett. Yes. Oh, okay, <laughs> that was your end. Was <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for the end of that sentence. And you're yeah, just well, like, that's how we both experienced the game. You yeah, got to have a Forrest Gump statement at the end. That's all I have to say about that. That's yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, parent. Yo, Peter. You know what I want to get when I descend into the dark? You want to get something to go on the haft of your weapon. Wow. <laughs> this, I don't know if we can air that. that that's not family appropriate. <laughs> <laughs>